Yo, Bridge Youth, how are we feeling tonight? You guys good? Just waiting for those lights to come up, bro. Hey, look at the person sitting next to you. Tell them you look good. Come on, junior high boys. It's your one shot at flirting with that high school girl. Look to the other side. Tell them, hey, you look good. Hey, welcome to Bridge Youth. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out. If you've got a Bible, open to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to say welcome. Uh, thanks so much for spending your Wednesday night with us. Hey, shout out to all, like, the diehards. Those of you here week in, week out. Like, I see you. You guys rock. But also shout out to everybody who's maybe here for the very first time. Maybe you're visiting our church for the first time. Maybe it's your first time in church. Whether you are in the room or you're watching online, uh, we just want to say an extra special welcome to you. We like welcoming our guests every week by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out. Like, seriously, we love, like, we think it's so cool you chose to spend your Wednesday night with us. We got a certain, we got a certain uh, girl in the house who, it's her birthday, and she's here. And she said, I'd rather be here in the house than anywhere else. Little Miss Peltzer, wherever you're at. I don't know where you're at. There you're at, girl. Hey, happy birthday. Love you, girl. Uh, we, I, me... I think me and Amber got you a gift. Now I've said that. Now everybody who ever has a birthday, okay, you already got your gift. But don't think that everybody gets a gift on their birthday, man. I'm a youth pastor balling on a budget. I can't afford it, okay? If, if it's your birthday, come see me. I'll give you a swift high five. Hey, next week. Somebody say, next week. Next week is hype night. Dude, this is our way of helping you to not just wear your costume once in the entire year, okay? Like, wear your costumes, appropriate costumes. We don't want to throw a big old neon orange bridge kids shirt on you because we will have them ready and we will do that. So make sure your costume's appropriate. But also, dude, invite your friends that wouldn't normally come to church. Like, all these chairs are going to be moved. We are going to have games and giveaways. We're going to do pumpkin bowling. We're going to do some dancing. We're going to have some fun, a costume contest, candy. It's going to be awesome. I think we should have really cool, awesome, very serious moments together. And we should also like celebrate, make memories and have fun together. And that's what next week is all about. Don't miss next week. Shove your neighbor. Tell them, don't miss it. All right, tonight we are continuing in our series entitled WWJD, which of course stands for What Would Jesus Do?, which shouldn't just be a bracelet around our wrist. If you got a bracelet on, throw it up. It shouldn't just be a bracelet around our wrist, but a filter on our life. And tonight we are talking about WWJD, What Would Jesus Do When Tempted With Sin? Yes, aren't you so glad you brought your friend to church tonight? We're talking about sin. Now, here's the thing. There's so many different directions we could go with this message, and, and this message is really going to be a lot more than when it comes to sin, don't. No, no, it's going to be so much more to that than that. So um, let me just encourage you. Buckle up, buttercup, because we are going on a journey together. Here's your sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes, God loves you more. I love you more. Write this down. Sin is less about what you do and more about who you are. Sin is less about what you do and more about who you are. Somebody say amen. 
You don't even realize how true that statement is. But before the end of this message, you will. Because we always equate sin to just actions, things that we do, something that we, like a mistake we made. But it's much more about who you are. Are. As our frame of reference, what would Jesus do? We're looking at things Jesus did to find out what he would do. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? This is famously where Jesus was tempted by Satan. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 4, if you've got the Bible app and you want the same version, I'm going to be reading from the New Living. And it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Duh. If you don't eat for 40 days, you're about to be hungry. Verse 3. Then the devil said to him, if, somebody say if. I want you to remember this next line. If you are the Son of God. Tell, these, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, everybody say if. If you are the Son of God, he says to him, then, then if you are, jump off. Weird temptation. But then he says, for the scripture says, okay, so now Satan is quoting scripture at him. He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you don't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, but the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Check this out. The last verse, verse 13. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until, remember this, the next opportunity came. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, open our hearts. Speak to us tonight, God. Let every single one of us have ears to hear your word. God, thank you so much that the Raiders beat the Patriots. Now I pray that we will beat the Bears this Sunday. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Grab a seat. Hey, um, what gets you angry? What, like, you know, really grinds your gears? Like, what gets you mad? Can anybody remember a time where you were so mad that you were ready to go off on, like, everybody present? Like, didn't matter who was going to get in your path of destruction? Um, I remember when I was a little kid, gosh, I must have been, like, this must have been, like, second grade. So, like, picture second grade, Corey, all, like, short and dweeby and, like, getting ready to go on the school field trip to the pumpkin patch. Dude, we're going to the pumpkin patch. I'm hyped, but there's like one problem. There's just one itsy bitsy problem. Those of you who know my story know we grew up poor, bro. Like we grew up with no money. And so when pumpkin patch field trip was coming up, I knew your boy was gonna have all of about zero dollars and zero cents to get himself a pumpkin. So I go to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, pumpkin patch field trip's coming up. Can I get, can I get some money for a pumpkin? Can, I get, can, can, a boy, can a boy get like 10 bucks? Like I could, I could work with 10 bucks. And my mom's like, look, Corey, 
you know we're poor. I ain't got no money for no pumpkin. I was like, Mom, please, I'll be the only kid at my entire school not getting a pumpkin. So she goes, all right, let's, let's go to the purse. Let's scrounge for change. My mom starts scrounging for change in the purse. She, like, acquires all of about $2.37. She goes, hands me this change, goes, whatever you can get with this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. We'll see what we can do. And I was like, I'm just going to have to make up a story about, like, I, you know, I had, like, 500 bucks but totally forgot my wallet at home, whatever. We get to the pumpkin patch. Everybody's picking pumpkins. I'm, like, I'm like avoiding at all costs, like, being around my friends or the checkout line where you, like, buy the pumpkins. I'm, like, trying to make excuses. Finally, all my friends are like, Corey, hurry up. Get your pumpkin. Let's pay. We got to go. We got to get on the bus. I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get a pumpkin. They're like, Nonsense, man. It's the whole reason we're here. Why would you even come to the pumpkin patch if you weren't going to get a pumpkin? And I was like, oh, there's no way to avoid this. So I'm looking at all the, like, prices of the pumpkins, and there's this tiny little butt-ugly white pumpkin for, like, three bucks. It's the cheapest pumpkin I could find. So I pick it up. I go to the counter. I, like, haggle the lady. She gives it to me for the $2.37 that I had. And then I'm like, dude, okay, I got a pumpkin. It's butt ugly. It's white. But whatever. Like, my name's Corey White. Maybe that's why I got it. So then I'm going. When I, bro, when I tell you I stepped on the bus, I get on, and immediately in unison, bro, the whole bus starts bullying me for my ugly white pumpkin. They're like, ah, look at that butt ugly pumpkin. Everybody look at Corey and his stupid pumpkin. And I was just sitting there like, sorry, I'm poor. You know, like, oh, my. and I, dude, I, when I tell you, I went off, bro. I went off. I was like, hey, look at all you, all you little sheep with your, with your regular run-of-the-mill, ordinary, average, ugly Orange pumpkins. All of you guys, all you guys are little sheep. It's all about the white pumpkins. Pumpkins are dope. These ones are awesome, blah, blah, blah. I went to the back of the bus. I sat down and I cried. <laughs> like, dude, it, I, it took everything in me to not fight everybody on that bus. I had to resist. Everybody say resist. That's your first point tonight. What would Jesus do when tempted with sin? He would resist. Write that word down. What would Jesus do? Well, he did. He resisted sin. So let me just go ahead and say, yeah, you should not do everything you feel. You should not give in to every thought you have. For God's sake, you should not say everything that comes to mind. <laughs> you should learn to, everybody say, resist. See, there's this sort of thinking, this belief going around that, like, God doesn't care what you do. I'm here to tell you, yes, he does. He does care what you do. But let me also say that there is a difference between struggling with sin and embracing sin. There's a really big difference between a lifestyle of sin and simply just not being perfect. If you're new around church, you got to know this isn't a message about you need to be perfect. Watch this. Hey, Bridge Youth, out of everybody here at Bridge Youth, um, just raise your hand if you've ever sinned or messed up. 
Dude, like, we will be the first to throw our hands up so quick. We know we're not perfect. I'm not talking, but there's a big difference between being like, I'm not perfect, but man, I'm progressing. Versus I'm just embracing a life of sin. Those are two different things we need to learn to resist. When it comes to sin, it's less about what you do. It's more about who you are. So write down this question. What are you embracing and what are you resisting? What are you embracing and what are you resisting? Because Satan would love to get you to embrace what you should resist and resist what you should embrace. That's exactly what he tried to do with Jesus. But newsflash, we just read the story. It didn't work. Um, earlier this week, I was kind of wrestling over some parts of this message. And, and I went uh, to Pastor Gary, who's our lead pastor, and I was like, hey, can I bounce some things off of you with this, with this uh, story, with this message, with, with uh, the tempting of Jesus? And, dude, that, when he starts talking, like, just wisdom and fire starts coming out. Like, there's so much, like, on the inside of that guy that's so, so valuable. And one of the things that he said that just really stuck with me was, was this. It's, it's borderline an exact quote. He said, you know, Corey, lots of people accept Savior Jesus, but not Lord Jesus. They just want fire insurance. He said, when Jesus was tempted, it wasn't a choice of sin or not sin. It was what life do you want? So I beg the same question. What life do you want? Here's another question for you. Who are you embracing? Who are you resisting? Who are you embracing? Who are you resisting? Everybody say, who, who? That was terrible. Have you guys seen that video of the little boy getting off the bus? And the mom's like, hi, sweetie. And he goes, hi, mommy. By the way, terrible sandwich. Terrible sandwich, mommy. <laughs> it's so good. Um, terrible owl impersonation, by the way. Uh, terrible. Um, who are you embracing? Who are you resisting? The the last verse that we just read in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, uh, it says, When the devil finished tempting Jesus, he left him, and I underline this, until the next opportunity came. Another verse says, until the, a more opportune time to come and tempt Jesus again. Let's fast forward to that next opportunity. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21 to 23. Write that, write that verse down, Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So essentially what Jesus is doing is telling his disciples, here's my purpose. This is my calling. This is why God has sent me here. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. It's a bad idea to pull Jesus aside and try to reprimand him. So he starts to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, almost like, oh, there you are, Satan. So this must be that next opportune time. This must be the next opportunity you wanted to come and tempt me. He said, get away from me, Satan. Another version says, get behind me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. See, the first time Jesus resisted Satan, the next time he resisted his best friend. 
wait, PC, but, but Peter wasn't over there, like, tempting Jesus with sin. Like, he, he was just being a good friend and getting his back. No, no. See, sin is never just about sin. Like, you've got to understand, sin is never just about sin. It's about your life. It's about your soul. It's about your identity. It's about your purpose. It's about your calling. It's way less about what you do and way more about who you are. See, Satan came and tried to get Jesus to give up on his calling and his purpose. Peter did the same thing. They were both getting in the way of his calling and his purpose. So who do you need to embrace and who do you need to resist? Because some of us think it's just Satan that comes and tempts us. No, it might be your best friend. And it might be cloaked, disguised as them getting your back. Oh, I'm just supporting you. I'm just backing you. Oh, Jesus, like, I I would never let somebody come in. Like, this is how you knew Peter was from the hood. Because in the hood, like, the best thing that you could do for a friend is, like, get into a fight for them. It's like, listen, you're my boy. I get knocked out for you, bro. Like, that's the, like, pinnacle of friendship is, like, you would get punched in the face for your friend. Like, that, that's boys for you, though, you know. Like, girls are like, hey, like, you know, I would, like, totally talk behind their back, gossip about them, spread lies, and tear apart their reputation for you. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you're such a good friend. Boys are like, well, fight. <laughs> Let's fight. You know, that was Peter. And he was like, it's not. But Jesus recognized, bro, you're getting in the way of my calling. I understand what this is. This is a temptation and a plan from the enemy. But Jesus resisted both of them because Jesus knew it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Why else would the entire temptation of Jesus start with if you are the son of God? This is so interesting to me. Uh, You know what happened like the chapter before Jesus' temptation? So Jesus is tempted and, 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 you know, Luke chapter four, Satan hits him with, if you are the son of God. But in Luke chapter three, verse 22, Jesus just got baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out the water, the clouds part. And uh, verse 22, a voice from heaven said, this is God talking like Darth Vader goes, you are my dearly loved son. Flip a page, Satan, if you're the son of God. Flip the page back, you are my dearly loved son. Flip the page, Satan's, if you are the son of God. What are you saying, Corey? Beware of the sin that steals your identity. Beware of the sin that steals your identity. Why do you think, I don't know why I get so high-pitched when I'm making a point. Why do you think that so much of the world is trying to get you to take on labels? See, you'll see it all the time in people's language, where they will not say, I struggle with fill in the blank. They will say, I am fill in the blank. And the world has all these things out there. They're putting labels on this sin, and they're trying to get you to take on these labels. Before you know it, there's people who have these labels like in their Instagram bio, It no longer becomes just what they do. This is who they 
are. This isn't in the notes. This one's for free, but no, somebody needs to hear this. God never intended you to wrap your identity around your sexuality. And that is like so much better than you realize. And any time that that starts to happen, you, like Jesus, looking at Peter, need to look straight at whoever's trying to get you to do that or take on these sinful labels. You need to look at them and go, get behind me, Satan. See, this is because sin, Satan, culture, and society wants to hijack your identity. That was like such a, that was, I was telling John who brought my table, it's like, dude, that's such a hard line for me to say. Like my speech impediment came back into like my head 40 times when I said that. That sin, Satan, culture, and society, they all want to hijack your identity. Young person, stay clear of any sinful labels. Beware of any label other than child of God. Look at your neighbor say, you're a child of God. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, say, I don't know about you. <laughs> if there's any label that anybody wants to put on you other than child of God, that is a get behind me Satan moment. And you need to resist that. You need to resist any label that people want to put on you because Satan Sin and temptation isn't trying to get you to do something, but it's trying to get you to become someone. Beware of that. Hey, Ben, you guys can start heading up maybe about three minutes, four minutes, start playing behind me. So we had two R words. Number one, we had resist. Everybody say resist. Now everybody say recognize. Look at your neighbor say, you better recognize. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, say, you better recognize. Resist and recognize. By the way, once you recognize some things, it will actually make resisting more possible. When you recognize some things that we're going to talk about, it will make, it'll make resisting a little bit easier. One time I was walking through a grocery store um, with my wife, a couple of our friends. Um, we were, I think we were there getting some stuff um, late to get some pazookies. And as we're walking, you guys ever go through a grocery store and you see the, um, they're like the generic uh, uh, glasses you know, like the, the reading glasses and stuff. And, and there's always like some random cheesy like model of the like reading glasses. I'm walking by one of those and I go, I know that girl. And Amber's like, no, you don't. And I was like, yes, I do. And she's like, well, what's her name then? I go, her name's Heidi Jacchetti. And she goes, that's a made up name. And I was like, no, it's not. And she's like, yes, it is. You don't know that girl. I was like, I promise you I know this girl. I went to elementary school with her. I went to junior high with her. And I went to high school with her. She goes, was she a girlfriend? I was like, no, she wasn't. And she's like, okay, cool then. <laughs> and I was like, watch. And so I go, I go to, uh, I think, no, I must have gone to, I must have gone to MySpace. It must have been MySpace. I went to social media. I find Heidi Chichetti and I say, see, Amber, first off, she's a real person. I know Jagetti sounds like spaghetti, and it sounds like I'm just making this up. She's a real person. And I messaged her. I said, hey, random, but, like, is this you? And I sent her this picture. She messages me back, goes, yes, it is. I did a little bit of modeling after high school, blah, 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 and that's one of the things that I did. And I said, ha, in your face. And all my friends were saying, you don't know everybody. I was like, in your face, in your face, in your face, in your face. I know what I saw when I saw it. I recognize that this was not just a stock photo. This was my friend. What you need to recognize is that sin 
is not just a single momentary mistake. You need to recognize that it's not just one night. You need to recognize it's not just one problem that nobody's ever going to find out about. You need to recognize. Recognize what? You need to recognize the cost. If you're taking notes, write that down. Recognize the cost. See, following Jesus comes at a cost, but sin has a cost as well. So either way, you're paying. You know, you know what I've noticed? I've noticed a lot of people will receive the gift of salvation because it's free. But then a little bit into their journey with God, the moment he starts asking them to pay the price for some things, they jump ship and they disappear. You know, it's funny how people are all in when it costs Jesus everything, but they're all out as soon as it costs them anything. Who you don't know how good that is. It's crazy how there are people who will come to church, who will come to an altar, who will raise their hand, who will pray a prayer, who will get all in to their relationship with God when I'm like, hey, Jesus died for your sins. He died so that you don't have, he paid a price that you can't. He died a horrible, terrible, painful death and Jesus held nothing back to the point that he was crucified. He had 18-inch iron spikes driven through his hands and his feet for you. He gave everything. And people are like, yes, I want that. And then Jesus is like, then I want that. Just that little thing that you're dealing with there. And they're like, oh, no. It's funny how people are all in when it costs Jesus everything, but they're all out as soon as it costs them anything. Let us not be those people. Somebody say amen. Let me talk to leaders and future leaders for a moment. You might be a leader on our team. This is for you. You might be a leader at school. You might just have leadership on your life. There's some of you that legitimately, you are just a natural leader. When you start walking, people follow you. People, people you equate this to like really dumb stuff. Like you dress away and people dress that way. You cut your hair and people cut their, their hair like you. What you listen to and what you do, people do that. If you make fun of somebody, everybody jumps in with you and makes fun of them as well. And you think that's just whatever. No, that's called leadership. Everybody say leadership. I'm going to talk to leaders and future leaders for a moment. Leadership and serving in high positions in the kingdom, it comes at a cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a dude who was murdered for standing, for a Christian who was murdered for standing up for Jewish people in the middle of the Holocaust, he said this, he said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Salvation is a free gift, but discipleship will cost you your life. You know, over the years, there's been, um, me and Amber have been in, in full-time ministry for 14 years. We've been, we've been serving in leadership positions even longer than that. And, and as pastors, there's been a few times we've had people in leadership, people on our teams, that we've had to go to and we've had to like call them out on some stuff. Some of them we've had, we've had to call them out on straight up sin. And you know, a lot of times, like a ton of times, they take it super well, they're open, they're like, dude, you're right. And then they, they take it as a learning opportunity, a teaching opportunity, which is the best possible leadership ability you could develop is to be teachable and humble. But some, some don't take it so well, and instead they get upset. Some people get mad. They slam doors in our face. Uh, some people, they, they go and they lie and they gossip about us. 
You know, sometimes our car gets keyed. But you know what I say to these people so often? I'll say something like, dude, I'm not mad at you. I'm not upset with you. I get nothing out of having this conversation with you. Um, and I'm not your dad. I have, here's the interesting thing about being a pastor. I have no authority over you except that which you relinquish to me voluntarily. So you can do whatever you want. Some of these people that we've called out on stuff, they're, they're grown, they're grown women, they're grown men. And they'll often remind us of that. I'm a grown, I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. I can do whatever I want. I'm like, you're right. And I'm not even mad at you about it. You can do whatever you want. You just can't do whatever you want and be a leader in the kingdom. You can do whatever you want. You just can't do whatever you want and be on my youth team. You can do whatever you want. You just can't do whatever you want and be a preacher and be a pastor. There's a lot of people who want what we have, but they're not willing to do what we did to get it. You can post all of the inappropriate bikini pics that you want. You just can't post the inappropriate bikini pics and mentor and disciple young girls and bring up the next generation of female kingdom called women. I'm a grown woman. I can post whatever I want. Yes, you can. Post whatever you want. You just can't do that and be a leader. Oh, it's, it's not drugs. I'm just vaping. So what's the big deal? I could do what I want. Yes, you can do what you want. You just can't do whatever you want. You, you just can't smoke, vape, and then think that you're going to be a man of God who helps young people who are struggling with addiction out of it. I could do whatever I want. You can't do whatever you want. You just can't do whatever you want and walk in anointing. And guess what? I'm not even mad at you about it. I get nothing out of conversations like this. But I know that what happens is a lot of times, with I'm talking to leaders and future leaders right now. A lot of times what happens is God is trying to increase your leadership and increase your influence and increase the things he wants you to do and take you forward into all the big faith stuff that he wants to use you to do. And you're, he's like, I want to take you here. And you're here and you start like bumping against this roof. Because if God is going to release more to you, he's going to require more of you. You hear me? I want, I want to be someone who leads thousands. It'll cost you. And I think, I think calling like this is, is kind of something like when you go shopping. People like, if you know me, I'm a 21st century man. I don't want to go and like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want camp. 
Dude, there's no showers. I don't want to camp. I take like three showers a day. That's not a joke. Like, I don't want to camp. I don't want to go like, let's go fishing. I could buy fish at the grocery store for free and not sit around for five hours, all right? It's like, you want to go hunting? Why do I want to kill an innocent animal for, right? Like, I don't want to hunt. I want to hunt for deals at the mall, all right? And I think that like, I think this is something like, anybody ever been at like a store and like, you see something on the clothing rack and you're like, that's so dope. And you walk over and you pull it off the rack. You're like, ooh, you hold it against your body. You're like, dude, this is, I like this. This is nice. And then you pull the price tag out. You go, eh, not that nice. <laughs> you put it back on the shelf. Well, what happens if you see that thing and you're not willing to pay the price, but you take it anyways? That's called theft. And I think there's a lot of people trying to be thieves in the kingdom, trying to pull calling off of a rack, unwilling to pay the price for it, thinking they could walk out of the door with it. Not on God's watch. God sees everything. He's got the best surveillance system in the universe. You ain't getting away with nothing. Not with God. This is why I'll take character over talent any day. God wants to do more through you, but it's going to require more of you. Are you willing to pay the price? This is why it's so revealing when people have such a problem with tithing. For those of you who might be new to church, tithing is a, is a biblical concept about bringing the first 10% of all of your income to God through the local storehouse, which is the local church. It is like I... Amber and I, this is a discipline in our life uh, that we bring the first 10% of all of our money. I'm talking like if I get Christmas money, bro, I tithe off it. I tithe off of everything. If I go preach somewhere and they give me a little check, whatever, I tithe. I tithe off of everything. I want to put God first in my finances. It's 10%. And there's times where I'll be talking with people who are believers and they'll, they'll be all like grumpy about tithing. They'll be like, oh, 10%? You mean to tell me God wants 10%? of my money? <laughs> and they have a problem with 10%. As if God wants 10% of your money. God, young person, hear me. Learn this lesson right now. God does not want 10% of your money. He wants 100% of everything you will ever have. All of it. All of the money, all of the resource, all of the clothing, all of the shoes, all of the friends, all of the relationships, all of the influence, everything. God wants 100% to the point that you would literally be willing to lay down your very life for the gospel and kingdom. That's what God wants. God wants, if he were to tell you, hey, when you graduate high school, you're not going to a university like all of your friends. You are going to pick up, you are going to move to Zimbabwe and start an orphanage. You are going to live in the middle of nowhere in the worst of conditions. God wants that if he were to tell you, actually, I want you to go and live in China where you will have to lead a church that will be underground and you'll risk your life every single day. That's what God wants. And people are over here like, oh, 10% of my money, that's just revealing in your heart that you, like, you don't even get it. God wants everything to the point that you're willing to lay down your life for the gospel and for the kingdom. But you can't stop posting bikini pics. But you can't stop vaping. But you can't stop going to those parties. 
but you can't break up with that boyfriend, girlfriend that you, me, your parents, your friends, and everybody around know is toxic. But you can't stop going on those websites. But you can't stop giving into that addiction. And this isn't about what you do, it's about who you are. Did you know that every single one of the disciples, subtract one, were viciously murdered for their faith? All of them were killed for their faith in brutal ways. Some of them, uh, one of the most traditional ways to kill people in that day for their faith was called stoning, where they would throw rocks at you till you were dead. Sometimes what they would do is they would dig a hole um, just big enough to go up to your neck where only your head was revealed in the ground, and they would throw rocks at your head till you died. Some of them, some of the disciples were boiled alive, all of which were like, I'm willing to give my life for the kingdom. And you know what I think sometimes? There it goes again with the high pitch. You know what I think sometimes? You know what I think sometimes? I think it might get a little awkward when we go to heaven and we see the great martyrs of Christ and we're over here like, it was such a sacrifice. to stop vaping. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how much of a challenge it was to stop spending the night at my girlfriend's house, my boyfriend's house. Oh gosh. Don't even get me started on how heartbroken I was when I had to delete my Snapchat because there's freaking nothing good that happens on there. And I think, like, I really think the Apostle Peter would be like, whoa, I just got crucified upside down, but please tell me more. No, no, go on about the whole post and bikini pics thing that you weren't willing to stop doing. You... You did, you did what? You really, you deleted your Snapchat? Oh my gosh. What, you are martyr for the kingdom. I don't know, man. I just, I think it might get a little bit awkward. And I think that we need to recognize that there isn't a single thing that God could ask of us that we shouldn't be willing to relinquish to him. Recognize that Satan isn't trying to get you to do something. He's trying to get you to not become someone. That's what he did to Jesus. Why was it so important for him to tempt Jesus with sin? Because Jesus, in order to die for our sins, had to be the spotless lamb without blemish. That means he never sinned, right? So... If he sinned, he couldn't have become our savior. It had nothing to do with sin. It had everything to do with getting him to not be the savior. With you, see, this is why you've got to recognize this. If you equate sin to just resisting a good time, you will always give in. But if you realize and recognize the cost that what you're actually doing is you're giving in and giving up 
who God's called you to be, the purpose on your life, what God's calling you to do, the things he has for your future, the anointing he wants to put on you. You're not just saying no to a good time. You are giving up who God's called you to be. And I'm not talking about a momentary one slip up. We're all gonna fail, we're all gonna falter. I'm talking about embracing a lifestyle of sin and saying, yep, I'm gonna always do that. That's gonna be me. Really quick side note before I get to this last part of my message. If you're like new to faith and maybe you're just starting to get into leadership or like doing stuff for God, just know this is the time that Satan's gonna come around and tempt you. Like the, Luke chapter four was right before Jesus ever went in and did, and did ministry. And that's when Satan like tempted him the most. So don't be surprised like, so why? Because in my experience, early in ministry, that's when Satan came after us the most. A lot of the people, that we see jumping into ministry, uh, Cameron, who rocks, my boy, would not have, Bridge Youth would not happen without that guy, man, I'll tell you. Uh, Trinity, who's recently stepped into ministry. I'll tell you, Satan, in a lot of ways, has like relinquished hell against their life. And if you're just stepping into serving Jesus, you might feel like you've had a target on your back and you're wondering why. Well, it's... It's because Satan is not all-knowing and he doesn't know the future and he's got to figure out if you're in this for real. He's trying to figure out if you'll give in and give up. So don't be surprised and just realize not only will you get stronger, but all of that will subside a bit. But what would Jesus do? He would count the cost. And I think some of you just keep giving into sin because you can't count the cost. If you give in, you give up. If you give in, you give up. You know, as your youth pastor, um, you know, do you know why I don't just give in to sin? Do you think it's because Pastor Corey is just so holy that he's never tempted? No. It's because I count the cost. It's because I count the cost because if you give in you give up see as a pastor there are certain sins that if I were to give in it would mean giving up on you on my wife if I were to give in I would be giving up on Amber and I'm not going to give up on my wife see if I were to give in I would what's your name young lady Haley 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 I don't even know you uh, don't put Haley on the big screen she's shy okay here I'll just do this for you don't worry we'll blur out your face Haley I don't even know you but here's what I know about you you're not in this room by accident God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, here's the thing. Um, by default, because you're in the room, at least for the next, oh, I can't see my, I can't see the countdown, guys. This is going to get dangerous. At least for the next 30 minutes, I'm your youth pastor. So, Haley, if I were to go give in, I would be giving up on you. And, Haley, I'm not going to give up on you. Pritham, where you at? 
Pritham, there's a call of God on your life. Now here's the thing. If I give in to certain sin, Pritham, that means I give up on you. And Pritham, I'm not gonna give up on you. Don't give up on me, baby. Now let me buy you a new hat though. The Yankees, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> Bro, what's your name? Fitted. Landon. Landon. Landon, I don't, I don't know you. Um, have we met? I don't think we've met. Landon, I don't know you. But here's what I know. Every girl sitting in front of you apparently thinks you're cute because as soon as they said Landon, they all started giggling. Oh my gosh, Landon. <laughs> Landon, um, I don't know anything about you other than you're in this room and you're wearing a black fitted hat. Is that black or navy? Navy. I'm colorblind. That's not a joke, actually. Um, but I know that there's a call in your life. I know that God has plans and purposes for you. And I know that if I were to go give in to certain sins, Landon, it means I give up on you. And I'm not going to give up on you. Because there's not a sin out there that would be worth me giving up on helping, like, lead. Leadership is so funny because it makes you think like, oh, I'm going to be this, like, cool, awesome CEO type head honcho. No, it's literally just like, dude, like, look at what's over here. Look at how awesome God is and how great he is. And here's the steps that I've taken, man. I don't know, maybe those steps would work for you. And I think that God has plans and purposes for your life. And I'm not going, there's not a sin out there that's worth me giving up on helping you discover that stuff, dude. So I'm not giving up on you. Because if I give in, I give up. If I give in, then I give up. Skater kids, you guys are like, number one, you guys are like so obvious, the skater kids, you know? But like, <laughs> I grew up skating. Like, skating was everything to me growing up. I, to this day, I will say that, like, skateboarding was my first love. Literally, skateboarding was, like, my first. In junior high, I, had a, I was dating this girl in the eighth grade. I'm sorry, Amber. Don't find her and murder her. Um, and she came to me. She says, Corey, you, I don't know why she sounded so manly. Corey, you. She said, Corey, you skateboard more than you more than you hang out with me. And that's a problem. And I said, that is a problem. And I broke up with her on the spot. <laughs> you got, oh, that, that's like a junior high skater kids mentality. Okay. So that's just where we're at as guys skating in junior high. What's your name, dude? Ty? That's an awesome name. I got stuck with Corey. <laughs> um, Ty, I, I don't know anything about you other than like when I look at you, I see the eighth grade version of myself. And I know when I was in eighth grade, I was alone and I was depressed. I was smoking weed every single day. I was borderline suicidal. I'm not saying you're any of these things. Um, but I, <laughs> he's like, dude, me too. I'm like, all right, forget everyone's here. Let's have a counseling session right now. <laughs> um, but I know where I was at, like, and what grade are you in? You're in eighth grade. Um, I know where I was at in eighth grade, and I was completely convinced that I was going to drop out of school and be like, if skating didn't work out, nothing was going to work out. That was legitimately like my mentality. It wasn't but a year later that I had an encounter with God and everything changed for me, my entire life. Up to this point now, I've been all over the world. God's used me in incredible ways. I'm wearing a shirt from a conference that I spoke at on the other side of the world in England, in the UK, where there were 700 young people from, I think it was 17 countries that I got to preach to. A regular, average, ordinary, dweeby, below average academics skater kid who didn't even have a dad in his life. And God used me like that. And I believe that God could use you, and you, and you, and you, and you, maybe even you. <laughs> What's your name, dude? <laughs> Lucas. Maybe even you, Lucas. 
I believe that God can use every single one of you that way. But if there's all this stuff and all this sin that if I go and I give into that, I don't get to be your guys' youth pastor. And I love getting to be your guys' youth pastor. I love it. Like, it's so awesome because every time I look in this direction, I literally see eighth grade Corey. I see ninth grade Corey. And I just, dude, like, what well, I'm telling you guys, like, this is, this is not a preaching point. This is not in my notes. I didn't plan any of this. I look in this direction, and Lucas, my, my imagination runs wild with the things that God could do through your guys' lives. And I know that, like, I, I know what it's like to hear that when you're in, like, the eighth or ninth grade. And it's like, that's just so cliche. You're just saying that. Dude, I'm not just saying that. I swear to you, I never thought that I would leave Riverside. I never thought I would get out of my hometown. I never thought God could do anything cool with my life. And the greatest adventure that you could ever go on is one where you follow God. You give him your life and you say, whatever you wanna do, you, you do it. But if I go give into sin, then I give up on you guys. And I ain't giving up on you guys. Y'all don't know this, but times that I walk this, walk this uh, building praying, when I walk by this front spot where the skate park is, I pray for you guys. I know what it is to have skater mentality. I know what it is to, um, you, you, know, you know when you're doing like, I remember the first time I did a nine stair. I, uh, I, I don't think I could share this story in church. I've already started, what else am I gonna do? Um, I, first time I was ever doing a nine stair, I, I ollie the nine stair, I'm goofy, so right foot up front, my, my left foot fell off the tail and splits, bro, straight splits, and then I hit my butt, this is the part where I was going to say, I don't know how I could share this in church. I landed on my butt and just butt cheek said, <laughs> like it was so painful, bro. But then I got up and I ran back up and I was like, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And probably all of you guys know that, like that skater mentality. Don't think about it. Just do it, man. Just go for it. Just do it. And that's been this like kind of mentality that I carried like in serving God when I'm in the UK and there's 700 people in front of me and I know the people that have preached on this platforms are freaking legends. They are like connoisseurs of the microphone. They are people who can grab a microphone and they are like the Eminem of preaching. They're so good. And I'm like, now me? Don't think about it. Just go. Just do it. God's called you. Boom. Go and do it. You guys, my imagination runs wild of what God could use you guys to do. And I'm not, there's not a sin out there worth going and giving in because I'm not going to give up on you guys. Love you, boys. Riley, ain't a sin out there worth it. Marley, ain't giving up on you. Savvy, ain't giving up on you. Saw you at the range, girl. Keep using that. Keep, keep, getting, that, keep getting that swing in order. Larissa, not a single sin out there worth it. Not one. Not a single one. Kai, I, dude, I can't even tell you how proud I am of you. Like, Kai, you, you, you have you you have every bit of everything that you could go be the popular kid. <laughs> this isn't anything about Kai, but I know that like up to this point, there's a lot of girls you could have gone off and run off with and you're not, man. I know that earlier this year, you went and told your coach you weren't going to play basketball because practices were going to be on Wednesday nights. And you've played basketball every year since I've been here. I remember going to your first game seven years ago, the first game that I went to seven years ago, and you guys were beating that team so bad they stopped keeping score. Micaiah and, and Gary Dotson were on that team. 
And then you get to your senior year when it's like, this is the time to play basketball. There's a spot for you on varsity and you tell your coach, I don't think I'm gonna play because I don't wanna miss youth group on Wednesdays because God's called me to this stuff and I'm a leader. And then he says, all right, man, well, then you're not gonna be on the team. And then he tells you, don't even show up to tryouts because you ain't gonna play. And then some random somebody decides they're not, they're, they're gone and they dip out. And then coach comes to you and says, Kai, I got a spot for you on the team and I'll give you Wednesday nights off if you'll come and play. And I can't tell you how proud I was in that moment. Because if you remember, me and Elliot talked about this when we were chatting that Youth Alive, uh, the Youth Alive thing. We were chatting and me and Elliot and me and Wyatt, were, me and Wyatt were talking about it with Elliot and we were like, bro, me and, we were both like kind of trying to convince you to play basketball. Like we were both kind of like, dude, do what you want, do what God calls you to. But like, man, like you can play basketball. Don't make like a guilt decision. You're like, no, this is what God's called me to, man. And I was so proud of you for that, dude. And there ain't a single sin out there that I would give into because it would mean giving up on you and I'm not giving up on you. Why doesn't Pastor Corey just give in to sin? Do you think it's because I don't face any temptation? No, it's because I count the cost. I think if you could learn to count, you wouldn't just give in to sin. Because if you give in, what do you have to give up? Some of you guys have youth ministries that you don't even know about. Some of you guys have skate ministries you don't even know about. I know Brian Sumner. He's, he's a pastor now, and he runs this awesome skate ministry. Some of you guys have missions work in third world countries you don't even know about yet. But if you give in, it might mean giving up. Do not give in. Because Satan is not trying to get you to do something. He's trying to get you to not be someone. Because sin it's so much less about what you do. It's so much more about who you are. And the first step into God's calling you to who, who he wants you to be, it's stepping into relationship with him. You're going to have that opportunity right now. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. It's a holy moment. Nobody distracting anybody. If you're in this place and you say, that's me, Corey. I'm sick and tired of letting sin win. I know it's not about what I do, it's about who I am. And tonight I wanna to decide, I'm a child of God. This is who I am. I want every bit of God's calling and purpose and destiny on me. I wanna repent of my sins, I want forgiveness. Jesus paid the price, so forgiveness for you is free, completely free of charge. You can have it right now. It just means saying, I am turning away from that sin, I'm walking away from it and I'm heading towards you, God. And I'm going to ask you to make that decision in a unique way. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, just lift your hand. Then you can put it right back down. This is your moment. This is your time. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Amazing. You can put your hands right back down. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he rose from the dead. You'll be saved. That's what scripture says. So that's what we're going to do right now. Every single person, whether you rose your hand or didn't, if you're watching online, you're responding the, the exact same way. Repeat these simple words after me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my sin. 
I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's kingdom right now? Hey, nobody move yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've preached a bit longer than usual. Some of you guys are like, this isn't longer than usual. Longer than I planned, okay? Um, in this moment, like, nobody pull away from this moment. Nobody distract in this moment. Um, there, was this, uh, there was this French tightroper named Charles Blondin who, uh, he tightroped the chasm of Niagara Falls. It was incredible. Like, crowds gathered from all over, and, and he didn't stop at just walking the tightrope. He got in a potato sack and went across the tightrope. He was doing it day after day, and, and one morning he actually, um, he walked to the middle of the tightrope, and he sat down, and with, with items, he cooked breakfast out on the tightrope. <laughs> At one point, crowd is massive. He goes in, and he pulls out a wheelbarrow, and he goes, I'm going to walk across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah! Let's go. And he's like, come on. Who wants to see the wheelbarrow? Crowd goes off. Yes. He goes, who believes I can do it? Crowd goes crazy. And then Charles asks, who will get in the wheelbarrow and go across with me? And the crowd falls silent. And I feel like Jesus sometimes went, who wants heaven? And everybody goes, yes! And he goes, who's willing to put it all on the line? You know, in that conversation with Pastor Gary I had, as he was complaining about the copy machine not working, he said something so interesting. He says, you know, Corey, when you read the Gospels, it seems like every time the crowd got big, Jesus talked about the cost. Like, like in Luke 9, 23, when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple, he must deny them, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And I just picture that like, who wants heaven? Yes. All right, be my disciple, deny yourself. And the crowd thins. Take up your cross daily. And the crowd thins. Turn from your selfish ways. And the crowd thins. It's another time the crowd's massive and Jesus preaches a message where he says, you want to be my followers? And he institutes the concept of communion and he says, then you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And people go, <laughs> and the crowd thins. Of course, we know this as a metaphor, but the crowd, and, and then the disciples, the disciples go to Jesus and they go, dude, Everybody's leaving. This is a strong message. And Jesus goes, yeah, everybody is leaving. What about you? You're going to leave too? And then Peter, the same guy we read about earlier, looks at Jesus and goes, leave? Where would we go? You have the words of life. I want to pray over you tonight. This is like a holy moment. I know for a lot of you, you don't know what holy means and you're gonna make that very religious. Holy means set apart. This is like a set apart moment. This is a special moment because what I wanna pray over you 
is that you wouldn't just want to be saved, but you would want to be sanctified. And I know a lot of you don't know what the word sanctified means. Um, it means becoming who God's called you to be. And like if you were to pray a sanctifying prayer, it would probably sound something like, God, show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to change, what I need to release and relinquish, and show me who you're calling me to be. It would sound something like, God, I might not be perfect by tomorrow, but I'm going to be committed to the sanctification process, committed step by step to becoming who you're calling me to be. I want to pray that you wouldn't just, I'm going to pray that you wouldn't just want to be saved, but you'd want to be sanctified. I didn't know how I was going to do this moment, but here's how we're going to do this moment. If that's you, and you would say, I, I, I don't want to just be saved. I want to be sanctified. I want you to head down to the front right now and right in front of this altar. I want you to get on your knees before the Lord. You'll have to press all the way up. Make room for the people behind you. If this is not for you and it's not your moment, that's totally okay. You can stay at your seat. Just don't distract nobody, all right? <clears throat> while, while everyone's kind of getting situated in place, there's, there's room on either side here. Um, this, is, this is a moment for our leaders, for our students. This is a moment for me. Here's what you got to understand, okay? Salvation, instantaneous, like that. Some of you just got saved. You rose your hand, you prayed a prayer. Some of you have done that before. Instant, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You don't have to stress anymore. Also, like when that happened, God now sees you as he sees his son. And remember, we just read, Jesus did not sin. He was perfect. So God sees you as perfection. But what, what now is going to happen is what's called sanctification. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification is a lifelong process. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Every day saying, God, I want to become more and more the man that you're calling me to be. More and more the woman that, the, that he's calling you to be, all right? But we have to want sanctification. We don't want sanctification in and of ourselves because we are sinners. All of us. Every one of us. So what we have to pray is, God, would you actually, the same way we would take a seed and plant it in the ground, would you plant a seed of desiring sanctification and holiness in my heart? So let's do this. Bow your heads, close your eyes, put your hands out right in front of you like you're receiving something from God. God, we don't just want you for your cool stuff. Jesus, we don't just want you because you purchased us heaven. We don't want to be the ones who are all in when you gave everything and then we're all out when you ask us for anything. No, we say here we are. God, create in us a clean heart. God, point out in us anything, God, that is not of you. Anything we need to relinquish. And God, would you put in us a desire for sanctification. 
God, hearts for holiness, to be more like you, to be the, the men and the women that you've called us to be. God, this isn't about behavior modification. This is life transformation. This is us saying, yeah, I'm, I might mess up, I might trip up, but sin will not be my lifestyle. God, in me, I want to, I want to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. I want to hunger and thirst for who you call me to be. I want to be that guy. God, I don't want, God, I pray, help all of us to get to this place. I don't want what I want. I want what you want for me. Bring us to that place in our hearts, in our minds. Get us to that place. Give us an undying hunger for sanctification to become who you've called us to be and do the amazing things that you've planned for us long before time even began. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, stand to your feet all over this place. We're gonna take time. Oh, I know. This is one of those moments where like my knees hurt on this stage and I just have this thought like Jesus died on the cross. I can handle this like rough stage for 30 seconds. Come on, anybody else thankful for Jesus? Anybody else thankful for the cross? Anybody else thankful that sin has no power over us and we are who he says we are? I pray in this moment, hey, these prayer stations are open. Maybe you wanna go and get prayer. Maybe you wanna go write down the sin you've been struggling with and throw it in this fence as your way of saying, I relinquish this. Maybe in this moment, God's just gonna solidify the decision you just made in your heart. But all over this place, do me a favor, right here, right now. Close your eyes, lift your hands high as you can. In this moment, before the words even start, begin to worship him. God God, you are good and we worship you. We praise you and we honor you. We love you, Lord. We give you the highest praise and honor. In Jesus' name.
Okay, so a few years ago, my family decided to have a yard sale. And if you've ever been in the middle of a yard sale and you put up something, you know that you don't ask for the full price back, right? So there was a time when I put up some shoes that I actually really liked. There were some Adidas that I loved and I knew how much I paid for them. And a lady came by, she was looking through some stuff and she picked up the shoes and she said, oh, how much for these? My parents looked at me and I was like, oh, let's go like 20. And the lady says, can you do 10? And I'm like, bro, first off, it's already like 90% discount. And now you want half of what I'm already asking for. And I remember talking to my brother and his wife. And I was like, you know what? People are funny. Because they want the full thing, but they want it for half the price. And I think it's so true as Christians and as people, we want the full thing, but we only want it for half the price. You know, we want all of Jesus, but we only want to put up half of our life. We want all of God's calling. We want all of God's benefit. We want everything that God has for us, but we only want to go halfway with him. Bridge Youth, when we make this step, because I really do feel like tonight, just sitting in the crowd, even being in the back, even being on the side during response time, during worship, during the message, I really do feel like that tonight was not just any sort of night, but this was a, this was a night where students, they did this. They took a step forward. Students who only sat during the service, you know, stood up. Who would never have come down to the front, who would have never had a moment like that, who would have never made that sort of decision, got to a place where they could say, God, take everything. I do not want you to forget about this moment because there will be a time where God says, okay, here's the cost. And that thought that comes inside of your mind is not going to be, okay, I'm going to give it all. It's going to be, ah, is it really worth it? Because, because, you know, I want the calling, I want the purpose, I want everything that God has for me in my future and more, but I only want to do this much for it. Bridge Youth, never, ever be afraid of paying that price. Never, ever be afraid of putting up that cost. Because can I tell you that the cost might seem high, but the calling that God, that God has for your life is so much better than the cost that he's asking you to put up. So he might say, I need your life. I need your heart. I need everything that you have. But guess what? This, compared to all that God has for you, is so worth it. And he will take you to places and spaces and have you meet people that you would never meet on your own, but only God can do it. But he can only do it if you're willing to put up the cost for it. And for some of you guys, like I said, you took that step. You said, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. Some of you got down to the front on your knees saying, God, I need you in my life. And for all of us in this place, can we make some noise for the people who gave their life to Jesus tonight? Because like I said, tonight is not like any other night. Some amazing things are gonna happen because of it. If you wanna help you along that journey with a resource that we like to call the next seven days, all you have to do is DM us on Instagram at bridge, YTH underscore next seven, and we will give you that resource, get you connected to the community of God because I'm sure you have a lot of questions. We wanna help you through that. Hey, this Sunday, someone say this Sunday. 
This Sunday we have connect groups. Wednesday night is not the only time that we do church. We also do it on Sunday mornings as well. And next week, someone say next week. Next week we've got a Halloween hype night. Come through, invite some friends, bring your costumes, but please have them be appropriate. Okay, we are gonna have one more worship song. So for all my hype people, let's make some noise. Let's get into it.
and invite a friend. It's going to be a good night. Have a good night, everybody.